you're listening to It's Going to Be a Really Good Day, written by Emma Pink, where we together learn to utilize our own personal narrative to give ourselves our own tips to exercise new ways to strengthen our mind and our spirit, to remind ourselves that life is always worth living and that it's always going to be a really good day. Woo! Welcome back. On today's episode on It's Going to Be a Really Good Day podcast, written by Emma Pink, as promised, we dive into chapter two, my family. But before we do that, do you remember the quote from last episode? If you don't, here it is. The flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare and beautiful of all. Do you know who said it? Well, that was the Emperor of China who said that one. The guy from the Disney movie Mulan. Short little get to know me, I was a figure skater for many years, and my last solo was to the song in the movie Mulan. Cool! Here's this week's quote. Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. Can you guess who said that? Chapter 2. My Family Family is important. Family comes in many different shapes and sizes. Family can be your animals, your friends, your neighbors, your sports teams, the ladies down at the coffee shop. Anything can be defined as family. What matters is that it's your family. I've always been a fan of a big family. I also stare at a brother and sisters and watch how they interact. I find happiness when I think about family. Over the years, though, I'm not sure if you could call me a family gal. It really all started when I was diagnosed. Things just started to go downhill. My family, especially my mom, became very protective. Their expectations changed, and as time went on, I started to feel less a part of the family and more like the ugly duckling. Even though I felt separated, I couldn't blame anyone for what had happened except myself. I know my family cares deeply for me, and they have changed for this reason. But it wasn't fun for me. I was trying to deal with all this new diagnosis and trying to understand it. My family was there every step of the way, and as great as it was to have them in my corner, whenever I would make a mistake, I would fill up with guilt. Why guilt? Maybe because I felt like I had let them down already by being diagnosed, and maybe because I feared that they wouldn't love me anymore. I felt like I a failure, and now instead of trying to go with the flow of things, I was carefully calculating each move to avoid the feeling of guilt. How is it fair, though? How is it fair that I have to feel guilty for having bipolar? Why do I have to take on the guilt my family feels for me? My mom feels guilty like she did something wrong. I feel her pain on that. But why did I have to fill up with guilt? I was and am the one going through this difficult situation. And I was the one who pulled away. I'm the one who took those steps to make it awkward at my family dinners to fill the distance between my siblings and myself with hatred. I was the one who felt like the ugly duckling who didn't feel loved, who felt like a failure, and who started to take the journey alone, all because I felt guilty, felt guilty for having bipolar. I isolated myself because that is what I thought I deserved. So how do I fix this? How do I work on this? There is only one way I have to find myself again and choose to be happy in my own skin. After years of defeat that only come from my acceptance of the stigma, I have finally figured it out. Part of me became the victim of what society has labeled me 
and the only part found a full-time job in masking my feelings. So that's when I decided I needed to do exactly what society needed people to do with mental illness. I needed to open my arms, let myself in, and try to understand. This wasn't just for myself. It was for my relationship with my family because our relationships with our family sets the tone for all of our other relationships. Okay, I thought for a long time about what I really wanted to say about my family. I could kill my sister sometimes, I disagree with my dad all the time, and my mom smothers me. Yeah, pretty much sums it up, but the honest truth is, I could not be where I am today without them. Through the good times and the toughest times, they have been there for me and will always be there for me. I am for sure, hands down, without a doubt, the idiot of the family. I don't know if it's because my parents have high expectations of me because they see a lot of potential and I just like to have fun, or there just has to be an idiot and I volunteered. In any case, it's me. I mean, before being diagnosed, I was very stubborn, and some days I think they, especially my mom, were holding on by a thread. Actually, I know they were, but they were my family and they hung around, because we are family, and family means nobody gets left behind. I grew up in a small town just north of Toronto called Orangeville. Orangeville is a great town, just like every other town. Most of the kids you grow up with want to get out and move on to bigger and better things. Me? I love Orangeville, and I have no intention to leave. It's a part of me. My older sister, my twin, and I couldn't have it any better. In my opinion, my parents always had our best interests in mind. We got to go to school. We got to play sports. We had sleepovers and had the best birthday parties ever. And we were all well-rounded. I wouldn't change a single thing from my childhood. And a big part of that was my parents. Like I said, people would probably be jealous of my childhood because it was nothing but awesome. I bring my childhood experience with me everywhere I go. Anyways, want to meet my family? All right. Good answer. Well, here they are. My dad, Andy Pink, is a strong, silent type, very independent, intelligent, and caring. He isn't the one to say I love you every day, but we know that he does. Most of my favorite childhood memories are with dad. Fishing and tubing at the cottage, sailing, eagle camp, and so many others. He's an outdoorsman and was the reason my sister and I were such tomboys. He has moved his way up from being a teacher to a vice principal to a principal. He has either taught or been the principal at what seems like every school in town. He is well known, and when kids find out I'm Mr. Pink's daughter, it's always the same reaction. You're Mr. Pink's daughter? That's so cool! And it is cool. It is cool that I am his daughter, because he's a pretty sweet dad. Unfortunately, throughout the mess of my life, we lost connection. Most of it was my fault. Well, okay, all of it. I called him a piece of shit. Yes, I was that selfish kid that when things didn't go my way, I would scream and stomp my feet until I got my way. Except I wasn't a kid. I was a 23-year-old selfish piece of shit that had no idea how to live her life. But that's how it goes, and you don't know until you learn. I know I hurt my dad's feelings, and it takes more than time to move on from him. My psychiatrist, a funny man, is always saying to me, just go sit beside him, put your around around him, and say, what's up? I was like, nope, nope, heck no. Dad is not an affectionate man. There was no way I was going to interrupt him during his time and say, what's up? But maybe he had a point. Maybe that's exactly what our situation needed. A little love in the awkwardness. The worst part is, throughout this loss of connection with Dad, I was only hurting myself. I hurt myself in the process of trying to get what I wanted. I forgot that Dad had the best interest in mind. 
Despite all of the silence, there was actually a lot of being said through my actions. If Dad and I couldn't speak, then I could show him. Actions speak louder than words, and I was ready to show him. In the end, we are family, and without words or actions, and just pure understanding, we know that we do love each other. My mom, and don't tell her I told you or she'll kill me, her name is Alexandra Olga Pink. I had to write her full name because it kick ass. I mean, just look at it. What a name. She hates it, and I don't know why. If I had that kind of name, I would embroider it in all my clothes. She goes by Sandy or Sandra. It's even funnier because my parents' names are Sandy and Andy. My mom is just as strong as dad, maybe even stronger. I only say that because she has the in-your-face aggression to get shit done, the mama bear attitude. She is smart, and I swear she has like a sixth sense. Her intuition is on point, like creepily strong. She knows when I'm lying, or why I'm avoiding her, or even when I'm sick. Her having that sixth sense just proves that she is a bitchin' ass mom. She does her research to make sure her children are safe and loved. She definitely goes the extra mile. You know that saying, moms know everything and they are always right? Well, it's for sure true. She's the one that knew when I started to not act like myself, before everything went downhill for me. It's like she was warning me before the storm was coming. She also knew what to do to help. On the other hand, she knows how to smother me pretty good, make me feel guilty, push me to my limit, and make me so angry. That's exactly what she is supposed to do, I guess. She wanted me to live up to my potential and stop pitter-pattering through life. The worst part is, as much as I don't like to admit it, and I resent going to her with any problem I have, she is my protector. It isn't just for me. My sister, who is now 31, has her own place, job, and is married with children. My mom still rakes her leaves, makes her soup, walks her dogs, and collars her every day. Because of her sixth sense, she is the only one that seems my, sees my true potential and wants me to strive for it. I need to start waking up grateful for having such a good care system in place. I mean, if I live in town, I know my leaves will be raked, I'll never go hungry, and my dog will always have a friend. How can I be mad at that? Sarah. What can I say about Sarah? Sarah is my older sister, and she is a blonde beauty. She is every mother's dream. She listens, she is smart, and she never does anything wrong. Funny story, every time I explain Sarah to other people, they always say, how, how can she do nothing wrong? But it's so true. I cannot think of a time that Sarah did something terribly wrong. It amazes me. She is only four years older, but man, she's a lifetime ahead of me. From that very beginning, Sarah was mommy's little helper, even when I didn't want her to be. She was a babysitter, and she is just as strong as our parents. She would, when we were younger, drag us by her hair across the carpet and up the flight of stairs. I asked her now why she did that, and it's always a simple answer, because you deserved it. She really did make it, Beth and I look like horrible children, but I guess that's the older siblings are for. Sarah grew up and became an amazing person, and I look up to her. Actually, let's rewrite that. I'm 100% jealous of Sarah, which made problems for me, but more for Sarah. I took my jealousy and turned it into anger towards her for years. I mean, how could I not be jealous? She was perfect in my eyes. She had everything I wanted in life, but that's exactly it. It's her life, not mine. I had to start moving on from being jealous and start being happy for what I have and who I am. And when I did, our relationship got much better. Even though I had been jealous of her, she has always been the very supportive, even when things got tough. See, Sarah is very intelligent, and Mom always takes advice from her. When I was diagnosed with bipolar, she was very helpful. She kept Mom calm throughout my journey. Well, at least for the beginning part. 
The rest of the time was up to me. She's a big sister that everyone should have. She did life right in my eyes, and I know that I can f when I fall off the track, I can just get back on with her help. She is very much focused and highly motivated. Like everyone else in my family, I cannot be where I am today without her help. She is now married happily to her high school sweetheart, Peter, and lives just two minutes from mom and dad. They have a golden doodle named Tucker, who is afraid of everything, and they have a daughter named Anna, and a son named Ben, and one perfect, happy family. A family I'm happy to call mine. I saved the best for last. Being a twin is an interesting thing. It's very hard to describe it. I can't even begin to describe my other half. What and who she is to me, I will never be able to explain because it's a connection like no other. But if I had to, I would say that she is passionate, caring, funny, outgoing, and adventurous. She has never let me live a dull moment in my life, and she is my partner in crime in everything I do. Anyone who knows Beth knows she can be a handful at times. She is the wild one, always pushing me to do outrageous things, which started at a very young age. I am, in a sense, very lucky because I have the ultimate source of support and protection. Beth is the best thing that has happened to me. Even though we fight over the smallest things, she will always be there for me, and I can't ask for more. Over the years, Beth and I kind of changed rules. Everyone who knew me in my younger years thought that I would be living with a boyfriend, working a city job, aiming for kids, but that's Beth now. I met a high school teacher in Starbucks one day, and I was telling her my whole life story, and she said, to be honest, I thought Beth would be the one that's on your path, and you'd be like Beth. I was a tame one for so long, and over the years, she became the tame one. Funny how things work. But I can say I'm happy for the strong, dedicated, calm, yet funny and wild person she is becoming. You'll get to learn a little bit more about Beth in the f future chapters. There may be only five of us, and we may disagree sometimes, but our family is strong. It is one that can't be broken, only healed. Pink is definitely more than a color to me. It represents honesty, loyalty, integrity, and most importantly, family. And if the family needs an idiot, I will gladly be it because I know I can survive this life with that family I have, and that's an amazing feeling. My favorite part of the bookcast, exercise time! Woo 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 woo! So, um, this part of the bookcast, you can find the exercise that we're going to do on page 26. And I'm just going to read it. It's a bit of a little bit of med meditation. Um, I'm going to read it in like less than a minute. But take your time with it. Spend some time with it. 15 minutes, a whole day, whatever calls to you. But you can do it. So, let's get started. Find a comfortable spot to sit. Whether it's sitting in a chair sitting on the ground, or even laying down. Now close your eyes. Become aware of your breath. Feeling your belly rise and fall. Once you've taken in a couple of deep breaths, I want you to start letting thoughts come in and letting thoughts go. Like standing in a river. As thoughts pass, witness them without judgment, but let them keep moving forward with the river. 
I want you to do this until you feel at peace with your thoughts, until you can accept that they are there and you don't need to react. Take three deep breaths and slowly open your eyes and say to yourself, I will let thoughts come and go. I will not react. I accept that I have thoughts of all kinds. After the meditation, take time to jot down what thoughts came up. It's a great step to connecting and understanding yourself. Have fun. You've been listening to It's Going to Be a Really Good Day, written by Emma Pink. Join me next week where we dive into Chapter 3, Lost Girl. See you then!